Hey friends, welcome back to the rest of the sermon, Confessions of a Pastor. I come to you this afternoon with a smile on my face, not because I'm happy, but because I have experienced quite a bit of technical difficulties trying to get this episode recorded. And this is probably my fifth attempt. Uh, I laugh and I smile because we had similar issues with our uh, streaming of the sermon this past Sunday, which if you would like to see uh, the sermon that precedes this episode, you can follow the link that you can find in the show notes. It's also a little ironic because I've spent quite a bit of time thinking about what exactly it is that I wanted to talk about, and once I figured that out, what exactly it is I wanted to say today, and how much it would relate to that sermon. The sermon itself is a continuation of our study in Philippians, and it focuses on uh, this call to stop our whining, to stop complaining. Paul, if you remember, is writing uh, this letter to the church in Philippi from a jail cell and is, is imploring them to find the joy and to remember that the more that we whine, the more we complain, the harder it becomes to share the message of the gospel. At risk of running squarely in the face of that, I'm going to be very confessional today. And I'm going to invite you to join me as I try to process or understand yet once again how we have found ourselves where we are today. If you're listening to this on the day it's recorded or released or within a few days afterwards, you'll know that once again we are uh, at a place, a crossroads in our country where there are many people that have a darker skin complexion than myself that feel as though they are not treated in the same way that someone with a fair skin uh, like myself uh, is treated. And objectively, as I look at evidence that I see with my own eyes, I have to tend to agree with them. Time and time and time again, I've seen it played out where someone who looks like me doesn't comply with requests, maybe even becomes belligerent and violent, and yet somehow ends up in the back of a police car handcuffed. Whereas over and over, it seems people that don't look like me, who perhaps have a darker complexion, who uh, react in similar ways, end up with bullets riddled through their body. The latest incident of this happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin, as Jacob Blake walked away from officers toward his truck. We found out since then that there was a knife in the floorboard. Perhaps he was going to get the knife. Perhaps he'd even told the police officers he was going to get the knife. The fact remains there were three police officers, and somehow he ends up shot seven times in the back in front of his three children. The story gets old as it plays out in front of us over and over and over and over again. I try to make sense of the fact that we are uh, recording this on August 27th, a Thursday afternoon, the afternoon after Wednesday evening, August 26th, when the NBA playoffs came to a grinding halt because six teams decided we're not going to play. Whether you want to call it a boycott, whether you want to call it a strike, the reality is There are professional athletes who are using their platform to take a stand. And if we're honest, that's the only reason they were playing to begin with. They agreed to go to the bubble and to have this this shortened season and a playoff so that they could take a stand. Have you read the back of their jerseys? Have you seen what's written on the court? And it's not lost on me that this stance that happened last night, the stand that was taken, happened four years to the day that Colin Kaepernick first took a knee. 
And yet the same people who called him out are the same ones calling out the NBA players today saying, shut up and dribble. We don't watch you so that we can know what you stand for politically. We watch you to be entertained. So entertain me. You see, though, as people of God, I think we're called to something much greater. Much greater than entertaining. And I personally applaud these professional athletes who are taking a stand and who are giving people exactly what it is that they say they want, which is peaceful protesting. Yet what happens over and over and over is as these peaceful protests are mocked or ignored, the violence comes. The violence that incites a 17-year-old white male to cross over two state lines with an AR-15 and get in the middle of these protests and gun down three people killing two. But it's not lost on me the irony that this white 17-year-old with a semi-automatic rifle somehow ends up arrested and not shot by police. This story plays out over and over in front of us. Dylan Roof, who decided to go and to break bread and to enjoy a Bible study with nine African Americans at a church in Charleston, South Carolina, before violently murdering them, is seen arrested, escorted out of the church into the back of a police car, which we know on the way to the jail decided to stop and buy him some Burger King. But Jacob Blake is shot seven times in the back. Many try to justify, many try to say, well, but he had a warrant, a felony warrant, he had a knife, he said he was going... None of that, none of that should result in a death penalty. Well, but Evan, he's not dead. He got shot seven times in the back in front of his three children. Are you going to make the argument that that's okay? And if you are, that's where you lose me, because I don't understand. I'm thinking about this movement that is playing out right in front of us, that now professional athletes are climbing on board. And I shouldn't even say that. They've been on board. Three games canceled in the NBA playoffs last night. Three games canceled today in the NBA playoffs. The latest word is that the playoffs will resume, but a start date has not been given. The WNBA season is on hold as they are uh, uh, as well boycotting or striking, however you want to look at it. Two baseball games yesterday that weren't played due to teams boycotting or striking. Things seem to be coming to a head in this great nation. And it's not lost on me that this is in the middle of a presidential election. And I wonder just how much fuel that adds to the fire. I wonder... But it's certainly, not what, it's certainly not what is causing the fire. So what do we do? How do we respond? You hear me ask that question a lot on this podcast. What do, what do we do? Because it's an honest question that I ask myself as I wrestle with things over and over and over. I, I try to figure out, so then what are, we, what are we supposed to do with this? As I read the Bible and I, I try to understand what's being said and how it can be applied to to us today, that's the common question that I end up with. What do, what do I do with this? And yet this morning, I, I can't help but realize 
something that's missing. Something that's missing in this day and time that past generations have had that I don't see us having today. And that which is missing is is a prophetic voice. A voice that seeks to unite us under the gospel. In past generations, I think of people like Dr. King. I think of people like Billy Graham. I think of people who who have used a platform to try to unite people. Has it always been popular? No. Was their message always the right one? No. But at least, at least it was rooted in the foundation of Christian love. And I don't know about you, but I don't hear a lot of messages rooted in the foundation of Christian love. Instead, I I listen to politicians and I watch as politicians, for lack of a better word, bastardize the religion that I hold dear to my heart. Take words out of Hebrew, and instead of setting your eyes on Jesus, you set your eyes on all glory. Breaking up peaceful protesters with tear gas, with pepper bombs, so that you can have your picture taken with the Bible in front of a church. Coming to the table over and over and over again, arguing, fighting, refusing to come together, no matter which side of the aisle you were on, for the sake of getting your agenda passed, your agenda crossed. Friends, I think it's high time. I think it's high time that we rally together on the side of good, that we rally together on the side of love, I posted something on Facebook last night. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And something that's been just bugging me like crazy the last few months is how often I see Dr. King's voice used, his words used today, as if somehow they were so uh, prophetic and admired back then. When I know the reality is the same people that are hating on athletes for peacefully protesting, we're hating on him for everything that he stood for. Yet somehow we look back with our rose-colored glasses and imagine that, well, if we were there, we would have all embraced him. We would have embraced the movement. We would have joined him walking across that bridge in Selma. I ask you the question, would you? And I think there's a pretty easy way to know the answer, whether you would or not. The easy way of knowing is how many times have you gone out at where you are to a march to stand up and let your voice be heard, to support those who feel oppressed, to support those who are oppressed, versus how many times have you sat in the comfort of your own home watching things unfold on the news, thinking to yourself, man, if they would just stop rioting, maybe people would take them seriously. Man, if there wasn't so much violence, maybe we could actually sit down at the table and get something done. I would remind you, there's been a long time of no violence and no looting and nothing has gotten done. And then you have people that have power who take a stand and do that peacefully. And what happens? 
shut up and dribble. We don't pay you to tell us your politics. We don't pay you to take a stand on a social issue. We pay you to play basketball. So entertain me. When we have found ourselves as a nation devolved, dissolved to the, the point where we can't even listen to one another. We can't even hear one another. Because we can't bear the thought of not getting our own way. Of not being right. Of being lumped together with someone who doesn't agree with everything we agree with. So the question, what do we, what do, we do? It's a pretty simple question with what I would argue is a pretty simple answer. What do we do? You follow the gospel. You listen to God. As I've read the, the, the prophets over the past few months, God lays it out pretty simply. Over and over and over, what we hear, the message to the prophets, or from the prophets to the people, is God saying, listen, you guys have it all wrong. You're doing the right things. You're going through the motions, right? But you, your, your motivations, your, the way you're doing it isn't right. I mean, you're not, you're not, you're not uh, sticking to the, the deal that we made. Maybe you're following it to the letter of the law, but, but you've lost what the meaning of the law was, right? And I think it's said just as, about as good as it could possibly said in Micah. Micah 6, 8. What does the Lord require of you, of us, but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God? What's that mean? To do justice. It means you have to take a stand. When you see something wrong or something that is wrong, you stand up against it. And if you look around in our world and our country today and you don't see anything wrong, I would argue you are part of the problem. When you see something wrong, you stand up and you take a stance against it. You love mercy. In other words, guess what? This isn't about me. This is about showing mercy, giving grace, listening, hearing the story of the oppressed and being moved to say, my God, how have I played a role in this? And you walk humbly with God. Why do you do that? Why do you walk humbly with God? Because yet once again, this isn't about you. This isn't about what you want. This isn't about the justice you seek. This isn't about the mercy that you think should be doled out. It's about the justice that that bends, the arc of justice that bends towards love. Because that's what God has called us to be. And so you get that gentle reminder that, hey, there's something bigger than you. There's something bigger than you. Don't forget, there's something bigger than you. So we do justice, we love mercy, and we walk humbly with God. Coming up this weekend, there's a march in Washington. It marks the 57-year anniversary of the I Have a Dream speech. And yet here we are, gathering in Washington again, debating, talking about, pleading 
for racial equality, racial justice in this great country of ours? When will we finally learn? When will we finally come together? When will we quit making about making it about ourselves and instead realize that this is about God? And if we're serious about making it about God, that we realize that everyone on this earth is created in God's image. That's what we believe, right? Everyone on this earth is a child of God. Which means inherently, they have value, worth, dignity, just as much as you do. So friends, today I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you to action. I'm going to call you to take a stand. I'm going to call you to do justice. I'm going to call you to love mercy. And perhaps most importantly, I'm going to call you to walk humbly with God. The road in front of us is long. And it's not easy to travel. And we can't expect people to travel it alone. So once again, I'm committing to go on that road with them. To join them. To be a part of them. To lift their voice up. To say this isn't about me. It's about so much more. Friends, thank you once again for joining me for the rest of the sermon. As always, if you have any questions or feedback, comments that you would like to make, you could send those to the rest of the sermon at gmail.com. I'd be happy to receive them and uh, enter into a dialogue if that's something that you would like to do. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope that you will share it with a friend. I hope it's made you stop and, and, and think for a minute. Think what it might look like to be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. Let's join together. Let's join together this next week being intentional about doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with God. Until next week, God bless.